A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Alrighty folks, welcome back to the Pool Hitter Podcast. This episode number 37. Thank you for joining me again today and for all the support that you've been showing the podcast. Much appreciated. For this special episode, I have a full panel of guests with me today. Um, but on Yancey Eaton, Jenny Butler, Ellen Adair, and Shelly Vestrate. And we talked about a variety of things. So the first half of the show is... A fantasy baseball dive and the second half is basically about life and baseball as well so it was a lot of fun getting to know everyone in the show and talking about a variety of things the fantasy baseball draft season is in full gear right now there's a bunch of leagues on the NFBC that you could jump into two hour four hour clocks and there are some that are even starting up that you could do a fast draft in one night. So dive into one of those. Even if you're not fully prepared, sometimes just jumping in is the best preparation. You'll fully learn the player pool and the market as it is right now. Baseball's in discussion to obviously when to start the season, how long the season's going to be, when spring training will be. Hopefully all that gets settled soon and we kind of know what the DH situation is going to be as well. It can play a factor into your player evaluations. Make sure you're supporting all the spectacular fantasy baseball analysts out there, whether it be through podcast or publication forms, like the Baseball Forecaster and Justin Mason's Draft Guide. The SP Streamer Draft Guide will be available after the Super Bowl. All those things that are available to support the wonderful men and women that are contributing to getting ready for your fantasy baseball season. Once again, thank you for listening and for the support of the show. All the ratings and reviews have been truly overwhelming. I truly thank everyone for doing that. And if you have not done so yet and you feel inclined to do so it would be much appreciated you can head over to apple podcast and submit a rating and review and if you want you could take a screenshot and send it to me on twitter at their pill hitter and i'll send you some pill hitter swag as well if that's something that you'd like to get into make sure to stay tuned to the pull hitter podcast we're going to keep the train moving and continue bringing on wonderful guests this week we're going to have Justin Mason and Vlad Sedler, and I will be appearing on the SP Streamer podcast as well as the Enrico Palazzo podcast. So make sure you tune into that if you can. And yeah, we're going to continue that with some great guests from 
phenomenal analyst at Roto World and Baseball HQ. I'm truly excited to keep bringing you guys some content. And with that being said, let's get on to the show. Alrighty, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. Tonight is a special episode. I have a huge panel of guests. Um, it's a, a full list, a full guest list. Um, we'll start with Miss Jenny Butler, Yancey Eaton, Ellen Adair, and Shelly Verstraight. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Nice I'm to be do- here. Yes, thank you guys for coming in and chatting with me tonight. Um, Absolutely. Yes, fantastic. Um, Yancey, how are you tonight? I'm chilling. I was just telling you guys off air. Uh, good day today. Had a closing on the house, which is great. Um, any, anytime yes. you can close and, and, and receive uh, compensation financially for the work that you've done, it's a great day. So very happy to be here. Rob, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. You know this. Um, I just happened to stumble upon it and I love what you're doing from like day one and you've only taken it up a notch. The guests have been amazing, especially like the NFBC centric content that you've been getting out the last couple of episodes. Like super helpful for me because I find myself like woefully behind as far as the preparation goes. So just like listening to you guys, like, you know, you having Jake and Dave and, and, and Phil and all these different people on the podcast has been amazing just listening to. And, um, you know, it's, it honestly, it's a resource. Like I'm a, I'm a fan and I'm, it's cool to be here on the podcast with you live and, and just like, see you do your thing and be a part of it. Thank you, Yanti. You, you were a big part of my, uh, my path. To, um, and I, I started out and I remember you were my first rating and review. Um, you, you're the first one to like plug to the world, how, um, how you like my podcast and everything. And I'll never forget that you, you definitely have a, a, a big place in my heart for that because for someone who's just getting started with it, it was such a big, it was so uplifting. You know, I remember like, mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, I would tell my wife all about it, and she was like, "Oh my god, like you have a fan already?" I'm like, "I do." I'm like, "He's my new best friend." <laughs> it was, so it was awesome, man. I I really appreciate that. That was that was big yeah, for someone totally. just getting started off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Shelly, how are you tonight? I I I'm fine. Um, and I just again, I just want to apologize to the group and uh, everyone listening. I totally missed my alarm. Um, (laughs) and we are starting late because of me so bring all the shame memes on to when you know when rob you know when he tweets this out just everything just yeah i am so sorry so shame i think the podcast listeners are gonna get it right on time yeah exactly (laughs) yeah that's true it it just really sucks like when you get up like really really early um yeah so again so sorry. So sorry. It's As I all, said to uh, Shelly when she got on the podcast, she'll still be smarter than the rest of us. So it's okay. yeah, obviously, I'll, well, I'll, I'll say this: I uh, I was invited onto the in this league podcast with Bogman and the Welsh. Uh, they're, they're friends of mine as well. This was years ago, and I didn't properly take into account uh, time zones, which oh yes, many people are aware of. I was not. They live in Arizona. I live in Florida. Uh, so they tell me, you know, eight o'clock at night. Yeah, I'm going to be there at eight. And not realizing, same thing, Shelly, like I literally slept through it just because, you know, at the time I was working retail management, so my hours are all over the place. I was taking a nap, slept right through it. It's literally mortifying. It, it gives me shakes at night still thinking about it just because I'm, I, I take being punctual so seriously and I never want to yeah. feel like somebody feels like I don't respect their time. Like, I, I, like, it's like, it's almost like a character flaw. I care too much about what other people think about stuff like that. So I sympathize with you. I, I'm not going to speak for Jenny and Rob and Ellen, but I know we don't care. We were having a good time, but we're just no, glad you're here. We're good. Yeah. Good. Okay. 
Glad we cleared the air again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shelly, I mean, you just 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 looking at all the amount of, of, of things that you have your hand in, I'm sure you were just too busy doing something, you know, you know, it looks like you're overloaded with work. I mean, when I just see the amount of content that you produce, I just think in my head, like, how, how, how is she doing all of this? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, tell, tell everyone what, what you are involved with and where they could find your work and what podcast that you're on, because there's, there's a long list of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to write and get on as many podcasts as I can. Um, but I, I write for, I write for Picture List. I write for the Dynasty Guru. I podcast uh, weekly now at the Dynasty Guru. We're back on our weekly kind of thing. Um, I write for Rotographs. Uh, I basically will podcast with anyone and everyone because I love talking baseball. Mm. Um, so just... It, yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere. And if you want to talk baseball, I'm totally here. Just as long as I don't sleep through my alarm, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say that the the whole dynasty aspect of it, it it's so it's it's I feel like it's it's probably like the hardest thing involved with baseball or fantasy baseball, just prospects in general, because I feel like there's so much more work that there needs to be put in. Like there's so less uh there's much less group think about everything and you really have to form your own thought and i give you a ton of credit in that because um i couldn't do it at all like it's it's a lot of work yeah that's actually what i like about it because i get i get to watch um a lot more baseball a lot more um uh just people who i don't hear about so i basically have my own thoughts and then just kind of put them out there and that's what i that's what i like about it awesome keep up all the good work ellen why don't you tell everyone where they can find all your work and and what else you're involved with right now yeah so i'm mostly an actor that's my that's my main job in theory uh but i also do write about baseball at the turf Mm -hmm. sports and i have a podcast with my husband called take me into the ball game in which we grade baseball movies on the 20 to 80 scouting scale used for baseball prospects and we have a great time And my newest sort of intersection of art and baseball juncture is that I am building a website, but it is not ready yet uh, for my baseball drawings. If folks want to commission baseball drawings for me or drawings of anything else, I will draw like you and your spouse for your anniversary or your dog or like Mm. whatever you want. Uh, So I don't have my website up yet, but I do have an Instagram up, which is at Ellen Draws Baseball. And uh, I, my normal Instagram is at Ellen Adair G and on Twitter, I'm at Ellen underscore Adair. If anybody wants to find me there. I saw the drawings. I love it. I followed your account. And now that I know that there's, you know, there's an ability to um, request something. Oh man, my mind is just rolling right now. So. Oh yeah. Tell me who you want me to draw. Awesome. I don't know yet. Like my first thoughts are like Dal Strawberry because that was my first favorite player. But um, I'm sure there's tons of better things I could think of. But uh, (laughs) that's awesome. So how how did you get involved with that? How did you, did you always draw? Yeah. I mean, my parents are both uh, scholars of art. 
So I, I grew up just always surrounded by visual art more so obviously, you know, I ended up become, becoming a different kind of artist for my career. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just very much part of my upbringing, I guess. So I did not go to art school or anything. I just enjoy drawing because it's sort of, for me, it's an activity of like really seeing something and really kind of in that way, inhabiting it from the inside. But uh, yeah, I do not, I do not have any formal training and I don't consider that I have um, a sort of huge artistic voice. I just like to see something and then draw it. <laughs> Interesting. I like that. But so in, in that regard, I guess my artistic voice is I like to look at baseball. And so I like to draw baseball, but I'm happy to draw whatever also. Fantastic. Yanti, what about you? What do you got going on right now? I know you're, you're probably involved with a couple of drafts, if I know you well. You and Jenny probably are in a bunch of drafts right now. Um, but what else do you got going on? Uh, a couple of things. One, uh, Ellen forgot to plug her dance videos, which are taking <laughs> oh, the internet as form. <laughs> uh, it takes a special type of person to be able to put themselves out like that, and they always make me laugh. So, Ellen, props to you. Uh, it's a lot of Thanks. fun. It's literally like the most, dweeb. It, it, it is totally dweeby, but I mean, that literally coming from the biggest dweeb imaginable. Um, I think they're endearing. They're a daring, if you will. No. Nobody's yes, ever no. made that joke before. So no, don't. Okay. Congratulations, um, uh, Rob. To answer your question, yes, I am in multiple drafts. I'm in three NFBCs right now. Uh, one, I'm in with you, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and air this out right now. You're taking a little too long on your picks. Like I get that it's a slow draft, but also keep in mind that like you're in with a bunch of people who you know are really into this, and like we're all waiting on you. So just if you could speed that up, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, did you did you see the time per pick? Uh, I did not. Why are you going to, are you going to dunk on me live? I mean, if, <laughs> I mean, I can, but I, you know, I don't have to. All right. Well, no, that's fair. Like let, let let's, uh, let's No, I'm, yeah, I'm the, one. I'm the fourth slowest drafter right now. I get it. I'm usually, the, I'm usually the fastest one. So I, I have to do, I do have to step it up. I'm sorry. No, I'm listen, sorry. fair enough. Fair enough guys. Um, I know this has been mentioned before on this podcast, but Rob actually took down the, uh, the online championship last year with a single bullet. So credit to Rob. Um, it was very cool. I, I, I hope you don't get tired of hearing it because like, it really is incredible what you did. So this is my, me officially telling you to your face, like, congratulations. Thank you. Outside of that, um, I, I don't really produce content. That's by design. I don't try to, I don't try to uh, angle myself as being some sort of analyst or knowing more than anybody else. I really enjoy playing. I enjoy the community. I like helping foster relationships, relationships between people. Um, that's why I'm here is because I like making friends and I don't have any baseball friends in real life. Um, my wife and I are realtors in Southwest Florida. Uh, we also help find agents for people regardless of where they live. If it's anywhere in the country, I will also shamelessly plug myself. If you guys need a realtor, please call me. It does not matter if you live in Utah. It does not matter if you live in Honolulu. I can help find your realtor and uh, it helps my wife and I very, very much. But other than that, I'm literally just getting super, super into drafts and it's been a lot of fun. I wish I lived in Honolulu. I know. Same. I was just going to say, do you know anyone in Kauai? <laughs> uh uh, Alex Chamberlain lives in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I, I, yeah. yeah, no, I meant the realtor, not 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 a not a brilliant no. you know stack guy. But you <laughs> can do it for you. That's, not an that's award for point. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You're right, Jenny. What do you got going on? I I know you're battling Phil Dusso in a bunch of best ball drafts, right? 
We are in one right now. I actually just made a pick right as we were starting the pod. Who'd you pick? So I took James McCann and mm. he's my second catcher. We'll see how that mm. goes. I, I feel so, so about it. Yasmani Grandal is my first catcher. But it was between that and sort of a utility infielder, Solak, Chris Taylor, or maybe like a Frankie Montas, Chris Bassett sort of thing. So mm. I decided to get the second catcher out of the way. And I'm I'm still not sure if I made the right choice. But yeah, Phil Dussault is in it. And so is Casey Chaw, which are both very interesting to me because I like to see what they do. You know, I know Casey Chaw is so famous for his, uh, you know, his list that he has. And I'm, so I'm looking at his draft and going, oh, these all must be people that are on the list, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you could just, yeah, absolutely. Just take my notes. draft is kind of following what Phil was doing. You know, we both took pictures in the first two rounds and then some infielders. I'm like, all right, you know, if I'm tracking what he's doing, that's got to be a good thing. Right? <laughs> are you getting used to the whole best ball um, format? I know it's, um, we, you know, we first talked about some strategies and, and how to go about it. And um, have you, have you been able to figure out like, you know, how to best go about them? Yeah, I think so. I played Cutline for Cutline was one of the first things I played in NFBC because it was on the less expensive side. And uh, yeah, so it, it's the scoring format I'm pretty familiar with. And I, I like the best ball just for being able to take somebody like earlier. I took Herman Marquez, you know, people like that, that you wouldn't want to have to keep on your roster the whole year. So if you were in a, you know, a regular Roto League. So I like having the best ball format where I can just like pick some of these guys that are, might have some really standout weeks. It's fun. Yeah. And, and you don't have to set your lineup. So it's a lot less exactly. in season work. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you tried to avoid this question pre pod, but um, I just wanted to get everyone to describe to me how they got involved with baseball and, you know, how they fell in love with it. Um, so I know Jenny, you, you told my listeners once before, could you on the podcast before, but um, since you're here, you can't skip out on it. So go ahead. You tell that story again. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I'm a Reds fan. I grew up in Cincinnati, so you pretty much have baseball in your blood when you're from Cincinnati. And uh, I grew up going to Reds games. We had season tickets for a while, and I started playing fantasy football and actually basketball. I looked back at my NFBC history today, and the first NFBC that I played was actually basketball. Wow. NFBKC, I guess it was. And, uh, and so I used to love playing those two, and then when I got into baseball, it was just like, so much better than any of the others there's just so many more stats and so much more to it so much, like I feel like I, even after all these years there's just I still don't know anything so <laughs> I just I like that you know I like that you know you can just keep learning and learning and never getting good enough at it so yeah that's that's I, I have a somewhat of an NFBC history I've played in the main event for four seasons um, I have a home league that I love a couple home leagues that I love with long long time friends um, but other than that, it's pretty much just all NFBC. And I'm right now planning on being at the in Vegas in March. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. But my plane tickets are booked. Let's hope. Let's hope, right? Absolutely. I I, I wonder how that's all going to play out. I know a lot of people are hinging on that, you know, still still going on. So I heard it's a great time out there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do it this year, but I think next year I'll I'll probably get out there for sure. Yancy, how did you get involved with, you know, baseball in general and then start playing fantasy? Uh, sure. Very quickly. I've told this story before another podcast, but um, I did not grow up with baseball. I've never played baseball my entire life. I think I played softball a couple of times when I was in high school in JROTC. Um, I, I just kind of fell into it serendipitously. I, as an adult, I 
I liked fantasy football and I saw that there were some mock drafts going on an ESPN lobby. So I joined a 10 team league and about four rounds into it, everybody bailed from the mock draft, which is pretty atypical for <laughs> a, a free ESPN 10 team mock draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I became hooked with it because, um, you know, I, I do play a lot of fantasy sports, um, not basketball, basketball is super hard, Jenny. I don't know how you can do it. It's, it, it's for some reason it's, I, I just don't click with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I gravitated towards the sport. I think, uh, it's, it's, it's chess whenever everybody else is playing bingo when it comes to fantasy football. And I say that as somebody <laughs> that loves fantasy football, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a beautiful game. And, um, you know, I'm coming at it from a different angle. Like I, like I said, I didn't grow up playing, you know, little league and, you know, I don't, I don't have all of those preconceived notions about baseball and the sport. So I kind of come at it from a fresh lens and I don't have a ton of historical knowledge when it comes to the, you know, the league and, and how things are done. So, um, in certain ways, I think it actually gives me an advantage as, as a fantasy player because I'm not beholden to certain, you know, uh, tropes about players, about, you know, everyday players or, you know, if they play the game the right way or their makeup. Or, I don't care about any of that stuff. Like, I literally just care about, like, how am I going to be a better player? Um, so that, that's basically it. Like, my, you know, too long, didn't read kind of version of this is I'm, <laughs> I'm relatively new to fantasy sports. I take it very, very seriously. I spend a lot of time on Fab on Sundays and NFBC. I really want to do well. I'm constantly learning and listening to other podcasts and stuff and trying to, you know, glean as much information as I can. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to have fun. Uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show, like I'm not, I'm not trying to show how smart I am. It's nice to win a little bit of money, but um, I'm really just here for the connections I make with people. And that's, that's basically my story. Yeah. And see, awesome. I really want you to be on some kind of a reality show where you actually say, you know, actually I'm just here to make friends. <laughs> like, I want that <laughs> so much. If history shows anything, that guy is the first one voted off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I have loved baseball my entire life. I don't remember not loving baseball. Uh, My parents both love baseball. And so we went to Phillies games in beautiful veteran stadium when I was a child, but I didn't know any better. So I loved it. And I started playing fantasy baseball six years ago now at this point because uh i was in a production of uh, the importance of being earnest and another one of the actors in the show said hey i have a fantasy baseball league like i was a slavering baseball fan already and was like do you want to be in my fantasy league and i was like oh my god i don't know could i even be good at that could i <laughs> yeah so uh i said yes and uh have been playing fantasy baseball ever since and i really enjoy fantasy I, for me it's more of like a way to learn more about baseball mm-hmm. um very well said that's that's kind of that's why i enjoy fantasy so much and why i can't imagine not having teams and you know like learning about players that i might not know about otherwise or like know as intimately about otherwise so yeah that's my that's my favorite thing about fantasy awesome awesome shelly how did you get involved with baseball and then fantasy uh yeah um i i guess i i don't know like my my family was kind of a baseball fan um i grew up playing softball um, I played it uh, basically throughout throughout high school. Um, but then once I went, went to college, I kind of like went out of the game a little bit. Um, but after I graduated, it was kind of like the recession basically in like 2007, 2008. I didn't really have a job during the summer. Uh, so I started watching baseball even more because it just kind of, you know, helped me out a bit. Um, and then I just 
randomly got into like an ESPN 10 team league and just got addicted. And, (laughs) and now I write about, you know, 16 year old baseball players. (laughs) So I've just kind of just gone off the deep end since then. I love, I love the game. I, I watch it every, every single evening. Me and my husband watch it every single evening during the season. Um, I am just, I, I love the community, everything about it. Everyone is so nice and loving and it's just great. And we just all love baseball. And then we always have, you know, everyone has like their own little offshoots that we can like really get in. I just love everything about baseball, fantasy baseball, the fantasy baseball community, just everything. Dolly and I uh, drafted together last year in Arizona. Yeah. That first pitch it was great. That was a fun league. It had Derek and Riper in it and Justin Mason in it and a few other people too. It was a drafting in Arizona in October is a trip. Oh yes. It mm. was so great. <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty mind bending right there. That sounds like a, an ultimate experience to have. Definitely. Okay. So next, next segment, and we'll start with you, Jenny, talk about you. With respect to your favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds, I want to know who's going to be the fantasy MVP, the best rookie or prospect, and the best sleeper. Okay. Um, so the best overall player, regardless of it, you know, not considering ADP, I think it's probably going to be a Eugenio Suarez. I'm like very excited about him to get back to what he was doing in 2019. But I think for ADP purposes, I'm probably going to go with Jesse Winker. Um, in 2020, he improved against lefties. So I'm hoping that he is going to be able to play more, play, not be platooned. Um, if he's, if he's playing full time, I think he can do really well. And personally, I'm not a huge believer in Nick Senzel. Um, not that he's terrible or anything. I just don't think he's going to be all that. So I'm hoping that Winker is going to come through and then, you know, for the best rookies, I, Honestly, I don't feel like there was a lot of great choices. Um, you know, the obvious one that's getting drafted is Tyler Stevenson, but I don't personally put a lot into catcher prospects. I'm not going to draft him, so I'm not really considering him. Um, supposedly, Jonathan India has been working out at second base, which should be probably good, but I do like TJ Antone. I don't know. Does he count as a rookie or prospect? I'd say so. He's, he's got a good velo and he's got a good round ball rate, which obviously is good to have in Cincinnati. So I think he, uh, he may be a better fit for the bullpen. Um, you know, maybe a super secret source of saves in the end of the day, but, um, I think he'll be good. I think he'll either way, if he may end up starting, if they trade everyone away, but you know, I, I think that they'll, they're getting a good player either way. And then, um, for the sleeper, I'm going to go with Akiyama, Shogo Akiyama. Um, nothing about him in 2020 looked good. Like not even on the end any of the underlying stuff really, but I feel like if anybody in 2020 should be given a pass for the strange season, it should maybe be him just because, you know, he's coming over to the United States in this crazy year. He, you know, I'm sure it had to be just such a adjustment period, you know, not even being able to really immerse yourself in your surroundings and things. And it's just such a strange season. And, but, you know, he, he doesn't have any power, but, you know, he seems to have good plate discipline and he'll chip in a few steals. And so if he leads off, you know, he could be useful in three categories. So, you know, he's going so late. I think he's going to 400 somewhere. So yep. 
I, I think that uh, he might be a good pick in the end game. I love it. That's a very good choice right there. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the whole dynamic that you just explained to the fact that he, you know, he had to come and adjust to a whole new country and especially with the COVID stuff. And you could tell at the end of the year, we start to settle in a little bit. Um, tell me, tell me who closes on the Reds, Jenny, who, who's going to be the guy, Amir Garrett or Lucas Sims, or Your maybe someone else. Is as good as mine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And, you know, I just listened to your marathon relief pitcher podcast. And you I made it say, through it. you and I are sharing a team later this spring, the, te- the Matthew Davis, you know, tag team league that he's putting together. Yep. And I am putting you 100% in charge of relief pitching. <laughs> I, I was not on top of half of what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm a, you're picking relief pitchers and you can decide which one of the reds is going to get saves. Cause for, I think they're probably both going to get saves. I think it's probably going to be, you know, just situational. So I just recently in a, um, I think it was a best ball. I took both Garrett and Sims in like the 37th, 38th round back to back. So I'm just going to speculate on one of them getting it or them sharing it. And maybe they'll both have some value here and there, but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to bring anybody in. So it's probably one of those two, or maybe, like I said, TJ Anton might sneak in there. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. Me, me and Jenny are sharing a team. Um, Matt, Matty Wood, uh, Matthew Davis from the FTN network. He, he threw out a, um, a tweet about, um, you know, having a standalone league in the NFBC and, but do, one exception is you had to pair up with someone. And um, I believe Shelly, you're also in the league too with Justin Mason. Right. And so I remember I was yeah. so excited when Jenny, the end mean is like, do you want to play? I'm like, yes, let's do it. So mm-hmm. um, that's pretty interesting. Um, interesting to see how that evolves. Um, I don't know when we are drafting yet, but um, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be fun. That's going to be definitely interesting. I believe um, what you said was, I don't know if I can do any more leagues. Oh, fuck it. Let's do it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's exactly how it went down. I was like, oh my God, I was thinking about how many other leagues I was wanting to get involved with. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to be fun. This is going to be different. Um, and I think, I think when you're forced to share a team with someone, it, it's just like, um, you're going to learn, you know? So I think. Yeah, I've never uh, shared a team before. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Yancy, um, Tampa Bay Rays. Give me your MVP, your best rookie and your best sleeper. And who's going to close the most games? Who's going to save the most games in that bullpen? Mm, I mean, this is this is almost like too personal. Uh, I, I think the MVP is going to be Brandon Lau. Uh, mm-hmm. Just from a, from a fantasy standpoint, I think he's fantastic. He plays second base, which is super shallow this year. Plays outfield, which if you're drafting Brandon Lau, you're most likely going to put him into your second base slot as my dog starts crying because he wants to go outside. Um but uh, however, yes, he's left-handed, but uh, people have this idea. They kind of overcompensate for things that they think they hold to be true, which is the fact that, oh, you know, the Rays platoon everybody. The Rays don't platoon everybody. The Rays played Willie Adamas every single day last year. Uh, like somebody like Austin Meadows, yeah, he had a ton of, you know, a slew of injuries and stuff like that. But like they want to pay, or I'm sorry, they want to play guys. And especially whenever they pay them already, which means like their salary is capped. They don't have to worry about arbitration. They've already extended Brandon Lau. You know, he, he's on a $50 million contract, right? They want him to play every single day. Whenever you see a player that's getting pushed out the outfield, it's not because they don't want to play him. It's because they want to find creative ways to keep him in the lineup. If it were truly a situation where they're going to bench him, he would have been riding pine and he wouldn't be, you know, playing the outfield like he has been. 
Um, I will say too, his splits are remarkably consistent between lefties versus righties. Uh, his career WRC plus is within like four or five points of each other. He's just a fantastic hitter and I love him to death. I think he's going to be super valuable. And like I said, I think second base has taken a gigantic step back this year. Um, it's super shallow. I think if you can get one of the best four or five second baseman. You're going to put yourself super far ahead. Kind of like what we're used to seeing with like, you know, JT real, real Muta with, uh, you know, with the catcher position and stuff, but um, super high on him. Uh, you talked about rookie of the year. This one's kind of hard. Um, I want to say Wander just because obviously Wander's fantastic and he's he's literally number one on every single prospect list I have read in the last three years. Um, I just don't know what the Rays' motivation is to bring him up. Last year, if you guys recall, the Rays actually went to the World Series and they did not use him, right? They didn't call him up. They didn't. If you would ever think of a time where, hey, we're going to bring up like literally the best prospect in baseball, uh, you would think that it would be in a World Series against the Dodgers where you're a heavy dog to win the World Series, and they didn't. So I think they're going to be slow bringing him up. They're obviously going to manipulate his roster time, uh, you know, considerations and stuff. Uh, whenever he does get up, the Rays have a ton of, you know, parts. Adamas is slated at shortstop every single day. Yandy Diaz plays third base almost every single day. They have Wendell that they can move around. So I don't know how much he's going to play. I do think it's going to be him. Um, if not, then it's probably going to be one of the pitchers, maybe like a Shane McClanahan who made his debut in the playoffs. Um, but regardless, unless you're talking about the the very, very top tier of like a Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows or Brandon Lau, I think most of the players in the Rays are a stay away. And then what was the third question? We said uh, rookies. We said MVPs. And what was the last one? Um, we Sleeper. had a sleeper, a sleeper, sleeper impact. A sleeper. I said this yeah. last year and it did not come to fruition. In fact, he was terrible. Um, it is very rare that the <laughs> well, race. I'm going to go back to it anyway. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go right back to the well, double up, baby. Um, it's very rare that the, the Rays pay anybody in free agency. Um, however, last year they did give two years and $12 million to one uh, Yoshi Sutsugo. Um, he really didn't get a chance to play consistently. Um, the Rays were kind of in a situation where they were immediately in contention for the, the division. So they didn't really give a chance in a shortened season for him to really work out and get reps and, and kind of take his lumps. Uh, like you would expect a player coming from a different league, you know, 10,000 miles away from home kind of thing. Um, I do think that he can get on base. Uh, they worked him out last year in spring training at third base. So they want to use him in the lineup. They want that flexibility. Um, I, I see this as being somebody that's not going to get drafted at all, even in super deep leagues. I don't, I think he's going to be a complete afterthought. And I think that the playing time is going to be there to where he can be pretty useful, especially in, you know, NFBC leagues or daily leagues where you can swap out your hitters on Friday or, uh, you know, a daily lineup league where you can swap them in and out depending on the matchup. But um, I have not given up on him. Don't give up on him. I think the power is real. And uh, I think he can be a lot more useful than we're used to seeing. I've drafted him. I'm excited. Have you? Mm -hmm. Wow. You're a, a true diehard. <laughs> Everybody forgot about him. He's probably, got the double eligibility the too, yeah. right? He's got the well, third just, base outfield. So that, I see, that it, see them sitting there at the end of the draft, and I'm just like, why not? Like, mm -hmm. he's supposed to be good. Let's, you know, it's sort of a also an Akiyama thing. I'm, I'm giving a lot of leeway to people who came over last year. So, yeah, I, I like him. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Last year, Akiyama was actually my dark horse pick to, like, lead the National League and run scored. I do think like if he starts out hot, he's going to be leaving off every single day, especially because obviously wow. that lineup is so much more depleted as to you know what it looked like last year. Like I really think he can lead the league in runs. Like that's that's a real prediction. So Yanti, last year there were thirteen raised closers to save a game. Do you think yep. it's gonna be more this year or about the same number? Um, not to correct you on your own show, but I think is it was 14? 15. 15. It was 15. Because they were one short of a franchise record and the, the all-time record actually um, of 16. Um, I think it's going to be less this year. 
so I, let's talk about tropes real quick. Um, I know we're already running super long and I talk a lot naturally. Um, so people have this in their mind that the Rays always platoon everybody and they never designate a closer. This is kind of true, but also not. Um, I'm Ron Burgundy. Um, so the Rays have been around since 2008. And in that time, let me pull this up real quick. I actually did a search for this. And I was like super prepared for this, this podcast. Can you guys name the number of times that they've had a closer go over 30 saves in the franchise's history? Which again, it's only 2008. So this is like relatively recent history. Was it Colin? Any ideas? Colin did it twice. Yep, Colin did it twice. They've had and, and uh, Rodney, right? Yep, Fernando Rodney was the all-time franchise leader with 48. Uh, Rafael Soriano had 45 in 2010. Roberto wow. Hernandez 43, and there's a bunch of other names: 41, 41, 37, 37, 32, and 20. Hmm. They almost always have a, a, a closer getting three saves every single year. Like just a couple of years ago, Emilio Pagan took the closer role and he held it all year. Yes, they traded him the next year, but. This doesn't mean that, oh, every single year they're always going to divide up the, the closer role. Like they've actually shown in the past whenever they did have a guy that they felt was completely locked into it. They rode with them all year long. I'm not saying that Nick Anderson is going to, uh, you know, have 35 saves. I, I think it's going to be much less than that. But people are drafting players. Like if you recall last year, we were all drafting like Joe Jimenez. We were drafting Matt McGill for saves. We were drafting, I mean, enter your dog shit reliever for saves <laughs> i don't mind taking a, a you know a top 120 pick on a nick anderson and hoping that he you know he, he comes across 12 to 15 saves in a full season and knowing that those ratios are going to be elite like we've already seen the progression in in fantasy leagues where you know maybe it's not worth starting my seventh starting pitcher on my depth chart i'm going to go ahead and start a middle reliever or you know a potential closer quote unquote that's going to give me elite ratios maybe four or five innings he's going to strike out seven or eight and he might get a save or he might even look into a win um i think nick anderson is being undervalued which is kind of weird to say because he's not a true capital c closer but um i will take the under on 15 different relievers getting saves and i think nick anderson gets the bulk of them awesome I love it. I think um, I think I think a lot of people are gonna really start to you know relook the Rays situation because you just brought up a ton of names I totally forgot about Roberto Hernandez and Soriano. Wow, mm -hmm. thank you, thank you for the history trip. That was that was awesome. Um, Ellen, yeah, sure. um, you're up next. Um, MVP of the Phillies, the best rookie and the best sleeper, and who's gonna close games? Well, I think that the MVP is probably going to be Bryce Harper uh, going at around 20 uh, for ADP. He's, I think, going to be a good value, and he's going to be the first Philly that you draft. Um, but in terms of sort of the largest potential return for your ADP, I'm interested in Reese Hoskins going at 172. Mm. So. Of course, the reason that Reese is going there is because of this surgery to his non-throwing elbow, um, which happened because of a, an in-game collision last year, as if I needed more reasons to be really mad at the Marlins. Um, and it does look like he will 100% be fielding at the start of spring training, uh, but he's already been hitting off of a tee since early January. So he could be ready for opening day, but even if he's not the outside estimate for recovery time for his surgery should bring him back at the start of April and the best estimate has him ready for the start of February. So the point is you're taking him where you're maybe taking a, you know, corner infielder and he could have a lot of upside for you there, particularly in OBP leagues, of course. Um, so the best 
rookie or prospect. Um, I, well, I'd be very surprised if we saw someone for the Phillies that we have not already seen. So I guess the answer here is Spencer Howard, uh, who is technically still a rookie slash prospect, but I'm not really recommending Howard for 2021. Uh, I think he could be a fantastic pitcher in the future, but Basically, over his minor league career, he never racked up very many innings. 112 was was the most innings that he ever pitched. And this past year, he only pitched 24 innings. And then he succumbed to shoulder tightness. It's sort of been nagging injuries that have limited his innings in the past. So I think, you know, coming off of 2020, and going into 2021, where we're all concerned about pitcher volume, I think that Spencer Howard is just going to be innings limit city this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if, inshallah, the Phillies sign somebody to replace Jake Arrieta besides Ivan Nova, or if Ivan Nova is number five starter functional, that we might see uh, Spencer Howard and Vince Velasquez sort of do piggyback starts. So... Yeah, I, I personally, I would stay away. It was, I mean, it was a strange season last year, but he already sort of did seem to have a, a conditioning issue just because his velocity was not quite what we thought it was going to be. And it was definitely severely decreasing in games by like three miles an hour. So I'm rooting for him so hard and he's got a fantastic arsenal and I hope he'll be a stud, but in 2021, I cannot advise. Um, that is the Phillies folks. And in terms of best sleeper, I, I kind of have two. Um, I don't know if it is fair to talk about a former MVP as a sleeper, but where Andrew McCutcheon is going just before 200, I think he could be a great value. Uh, he's just been very consistent for the last four years, and he's going to be leading off in front of Harper and Real Muto. Hooray! Thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> I, it's, and I think it's it's possible that he could get rested a couple of games a week, but he played 57 games in 2020. And so I could see him hitting 260 with like 25 home runs and eight or nine stolen bases. And his runs should be very plentiful if he's hitting leadoff. And an insanely, insanely deep sleeper to just maybe keep your eye on who is literally not listed on NFBC is Ranger Suarez. Ooh. And so the Phillies do not sign a starting pitcher. And Ivan Nova doesn't end up working out. There's no way that they're making it through the season without another starter, given that we already talked about the Spencer Howard situation. So Suarez was in the conversation for the fifth starter's job last spring, and then he had a good spring training. But then he got COVID, and he was not good at all out of the bullpen, like basically everybody else in the Phillies, of course, um, when he returned. But it was four innings that he pitched. So... I mean, if the Phillies find that they have a need in starting pitcher, he could get another look. And he's a lefty, which, you know, all the Phillies that they have are, are righties. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably just something to kind of keep your eye on. That's one hell of a pick. That's one hell of a pick right there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I like he's that. He's literally not listed on FBC. I was like, what? Really impressive, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I love that pick. And so what about the bullpen? I know you 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 um, had a, a wonderful series of articles, um, the 12 days of 
free agent relief pitchers. And so <laughs> you're definitely, you know, diving into the whole bullpen world. So who do you think emerges as the best closer on the Phillies? Uh, I, 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 I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows, although it's interesting to note that Bradley is listed as the closer on the depth chart on the Phillies website. So hmm. there's been no official word. And in his introductory sort of zoom press conference, you know, Bradley was like, Oh, I don't know about roles, but like somebody allowed that to happen. <laughs> um, and honestly, if I'm the Phillies, I probably wait until spring training to see how Hector Neris is doing. I mean, I love Archie Bradley. I actually had him in a few leagues last year and I was kind of screwed down the stretch when he was traded to the Reds. But the issue is that he does not have any pitch that generates as many whiffs as Neris's splitter when Neris's splitter is working well. But Neris only has two pitches and the splitter is a splitter. So it's very volatile and 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 some I just made up a word there, volatile. I love um, it. Very yeah. volatile. <laughs> and and uh, some nights it just doesn't show up, but I'm gonna be calling it a volatile splitter for the entire rest of my life. Um, so I mean, Bradley having the fastball, curveball, and changeup is helpful. And the changeup is actually super effective, uh, especially uh, when he was controlling it better in 2020, but he uses it mostly on lefties. So I'm kind of hopeful that he's figuring things out with his changeup and maybe he uses it more because a lot of his control issues in 2019 seem partly tied to reintroducing the changeup to his arsenal, but his control was so much better in 2020. Of course, smaller sample. But yeah, I don't know. I guess some part of me, I think, is, is maybe rooting for Archie Bradley but I don't know what's actually going to happen. Fantastic. And I, I really like Dewey Hoskins because I had him last year on my team that was very successful. And he, he had a run, I think, of 80, 80 at-bats with eight homers. And he was just outright amazing. Um, and I just think he's one of those type of guys you just know what you're going to get from him. He gives you exactly what you draft him for. And I like that type of consistency in a player. And I also think you came up with an awesome um, like fantasy baseball t-shirt right there when you said innings limit city, um, which, <laughs> which is pretty cool because I think it's like a constant theme on my podcast is we're coming up with like t-shirts names. Um, I know that's a bit, a pretty popular thing from RotoWare where they have all these fantasy inspired t-shirts and innings limit city might have to be one they add to the to the list for sure i would be so honored i would be so honored <laughs> or or volatile that one volatile. could be no yeah. i think innings Lit limit city is probably yeah. a better t-shirt yeah yeah with with the fill with ellie in the background yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um shelly the oh, boston sad. red sox sad. tell tell us about um mvp Best rookie and prospect. I'm sure you have a ton of them to give to us and the best sleeper. And tell me about the bullpen situation there. Yeah. So this, uh, when I looked, when you brought, uh, you know, put this pre together, it was, uh, I think last week, um, uh, when I was putting like my, my notes together, this has definitely changed since <laughs> then. Um, because the Red Sox actually did something in the offseason and I never thought that they were going to because it's been <laughs> it's been so quiet. Um, but I guess for best overall player, well, the best overall player is going to be Xander Bogarts because he, he is just the best. But I guess what I when I went to look at ADP, 
Um, I saw that JD Martinez was going about a hundredth overall. And I do think that he could perform better this season than the hundredth overall player. Um, he definitely uh, struggled immensely uh, in 2020, didn't we all? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great point. <laughs> but he, yes, uh, but just everything that he had done previously, and then just looking at the 2020 season, it just makes no sense. Um, he definitely complained about not having in-game video. And J.D. Martinez is a very, what I call a very hitty player. Um, you could tell, like, when you watch uh, games, you could, when he is in, in the box, like, he always takes, like, this deep breath, right? And just, like, really, it seems like he's very, he tries to calm himself down, tries to see, tries to think, okay, what pitch is coming? What pitch is coming? Where is it going to be? He's very hitty. So if you take the in-game video away from him, and just totally change everything that really I think really did affect him and I think that he could definitely be much better than he was in 2020 and I think that he's better than the 99th overall player um so if, if you could draft him I I do think that there could be um a little bit of profit there I do think that he could just be a really really good player I like that uh, yeah. I, and 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 that's funny you said like about him being like a heady routine player um, in, in the book Swing Kings when uh, there's a, a feature, like they mentioned him a lot about, you know, how he, once he got into the whole swing swing aspect of things that like when he really learned one thing, he, I think it was one game prior to a game, he didn't make it out to like the, the lineup announcement. He was like still in the cage because he learned yeah. one thing like right before that game and he just was so obsessed with it that he stood there and he just wanted to like not you know he wanted to do it that you know at that mm -hmm. moment and I think like the whole process thing just taking away like a piece of what they do continuously that, that definitely has to be such an influence on his performance yeah definitely. I have a quick I have a quick question for you Shelly do you think yeah. is there any chance if they trade Andrew Benatendi that he gets outfield eligibility because I I want to buy the dip on him so badly as somebody who was taking him in like the back end of the second round last year and it did not work out. I want to recoup those losses, but I hate drafting util only players in NFBC. And like, I know, I know this sucks and everybody's like, Oh, you know, if you just draft an Elsa Cruz you're just printing money. And I agree, but it is really difficult whenever you now have burned a utility spot. Do you think he gets that outfit eligibility or is he just way past playing in the outfield? I, 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 I don't think that he's going to get too much um, outfield time. He did. I mean, he did get a little bit in 2020, but even if they do trade uh, uh, Benny, which there has been a lot of rumors, I, I, I do think they would just kind of uh, pick up someone else. Um, I know that they have Hunter Renfro um, on, in the lineup as well. And they have like some really interesting uh, uh, prospects in the outfield, but I think that he's just, unfortunately just going to be DH. Can he play first base? <laughs> Can he do anything else? <laughs> Yancy, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I think you and I might be the only two people in fantasy baseball that have this opinion about drafting DH-only players. I yeah. don't like it either. Everybody acts like these people who don't want to draft the, you know, UT-only players, why, you know, that's just silly. I don't, I don't like doing it. I'll, I'll only do it if it's, yeah. if it's late, you know, I yeah. don't. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I did it a lot last year with Nelson Cruz, just because like the Rob Silvers of the world were, you know, right. you see all these tweets about how it's just such a profitable move, blah, blah, blah. But that just looking at their stat line and then looking, you know, on like the rise ball play rate of like what their contribution was overall, it doesn't take into account that like, yeah, but I don't have any positional flexibility at all. So what if I only drafted two catchers and it's Friday and my starting catcher was hurt? I now don't have another catcher that I can shift in there because I can't move. Play, I can't move people around. You know what I mean? Like it's it's tough. There's not an exact science, and I wish there was an easier way to kind of figure out. You know how much does a utility only player kill you? But there is there is a hit there that you do take. You know, regardless of how good of a hitter they are. But I, we just don't do a great job of capturing it. Yeah, and right. I think that there's there's something to be said though for also having the flexibility when you to have sleeper picks hit. So there was a couple years ago, I think it was in a Memorial Day league, that I ended up with. I think four really good third basemen. And it was the year that Gio Urshela broke out. So I think it was a couple of years ago. And ha I had to have, a th I ended up having to use them in my utility spot because I just didn't have anywhere else to put them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't have those kind of guys break out at the bottom of your roster if you if it's filled, if it's filled with somebody you have to put there every yeah. week. Totally. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Um, though it KD Martinez inspired so much conversation. I mean, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um, so Shelly, um, what about your, the best um, rookie or prospect on the Red Sox? Uh, yeah, uh, the best rookie or prospect. I mean, I think maybe people think that I'm going to say Bobby Dahlbeck, um, but I am not. Uh, do not draft, uh, draft Bobby Dahlbeck. Just, I'm just going to put that out there uh, because it's like Michael Chavis 2.0. Just going right. to put it out there. Believe me, it makes me cry. Uh, but the best rookie or prospect, um, he's not going to make the opening day roster, but keep a lookout for Jaron Duran. He mm. is he is going to be the center fielder of the future for the Red Sox. Um, he made a, a swing adjustment um, this past season, and he totally killed it um, at the um, alternate training site. And he was the uh, World Series uh, final series MVP for the Puerto Rican uh, Winter League uh, this this winter. Um, and he is a power speed threat just because of that swing adjustment that he has made. And the the Red Sox have really, really just everyone that talks about him in the organization scouts everyone has been just raving about jaron duran so i i again i i don't think that he's going to make the opening day roster but i could see him coming up you know it could be um um some waiver wire thing here but this dude i really think is going to be really exciting power speed and good average just everything so just keep your eye on jaron duran um and then I guess best sleeper, um, maybe I'm cheating here, but um, Enrique Hernandez, Kike Hernandez, mm. uh, I mean, he signed, he signed last week. Uh, the, the Red Sox really have a massive, had a massive hole at second base. And I do think that um, Hernandez is going to get pretty much everyday playing time um, at second base, but he could, he could also spell uh, Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers at shortstop or third. He could go out to to the outfield if someone needs uh, like a day off. I do think that he's going to get everyday at bats. He's going to be, 
you know, a really, you know, decent power, not really good with the average, but I do really, really love the Red Sox offense. Um, so I do think that he could give a lot of RBI um, opportunities. And currently his ADP is 456. I know that's probably going to go up um, now that he's actually signed, but he could be a really interesting sleeper and get um, a lot of positional eligibility all over the field. I love it. That's a great pick. Great pick. I always had a little soft spot for Kiki. I love his skill set and ability that he plays everywhere, but catcher always, always helps. Um, what about their bullpen situation? I know last year they they let Workman start off and then they shipped them away. Are they going to do the same thing with Matt Barnes this year? Because I know he's a free agent next year. Uh, yeah. Um, with When they traded to get Adam Ottavino, like this kind of changed my answer here. Um I, I don't know because I think that Matt Barnes is kind of like Adam Ottavino. I, I think Adam is a little bit better, but I do think that they understand and they have like a relationship with Matt Barnes. They've, they've, you know, he, he was drafted by the team um, and this is his last year before free agency. So I do think that they are going to give Matt Barnes the uh, closer role. Um, and I think it depends on how well the team does, whether they ship him off or not. But I, I honestly, I would just kind of stay away from the Red Sox bullpen situation because Matt Barnes, Adam Adovino, I think it's going to be just kind of mix and match kind of thing that is just going to give you heartburn. Um, so I just <laughs> really would just stay away. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that uh, probably the best I, best advice you can give, I, I definitely a situation where it's better just to stay away a hundred percent. Okay. So we got through that. I want to now just do some quick, um, just a quick hit, pick one guy or the other. Um, and this is just for um, like a, would you rather for guys going pretty close in drafts right now? Um, so Shelly lead it off. Juan Soto versus Mike Trout. Oh, you had to give me this. I have a dog mm-hmm. named Soto, so I know this must be <laughs> this must be really tough for you. So cute yeah. too. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to go Soto over Trout. I I love Soto, just everything that he does, and it it hates. I I really hate that I'm going against Mike Trout here, but I'm gonna go Juan Soto. Ellen. Um. I'm also going to go on Soto. Like part of me thinks, no, like Mike Trout is always Mike Trout. So he's such a safe early pick to take. But so far, Juan Soto is always Juan Soto. And I think (laughs) at this point, I think that Soto is going to edge Trout in steals, which I think was much of always the the reason for taking Trout first overall um, and average. And I think that Trout will probably edge Soto in power. But like, I mean, also I'll take either. I'll pick fifth. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Two Soto so far. Yancy, what about you? You're going to keep it going? No? Yancy? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Ellen. I, my bad. Uh, you know what? I, I was leaning Soto, but just to make this interesting, let, let's let's make the case for Mike Trout, okay? <laughs> Which is uh, he's Mike every, Trout. every single year, he's fantastic. And every single year we try to find we try to find two or three players that are going to be the next Mike Trout, and then he he still continues right there. Right? And this argument's been beat. It is remarkable that every single year, maybe he's not number one in fantasy or number two, but he's always top ten. He always gets there every single year. 
Um, I'm in a league right now with a lot of uh, other industry guys. Uh, again, not a member of the industry, but somehow I'm in this league with, uh, you know, Bubba, uh, Endrickin from Bench with Bubba, Maddie Wood, and uh, all, all, all these guys. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to name drop. But um, long story short, I got Mike Trout at eight. Eight. <sighs> eight. Wow. Guys, what? eight. Okay. Yeah. And, and so listen, like I normally find myself, I want to do two things in the first round. I want to draft some steals. That's not going to kill me in batting average. And I want to get an elite starting pitcher. So I understand that there's cases to be made for this, but we saw in this league, we saw Trey Turner go first overall. Great. Cool. Trey Turner is a great player. Does he deserve to be first overall? That's debatable, right? I understand that Mike Trout, quote unquote, doesn't steal bases. Back in 2019, he still stole 11. Last year it was a shortened season. Everybody wants to wipe everything out for all the players that, that failed last year. They say, oh, you know, like wipe it, you know, doesn't matter, whatever, redo, you know, mulligan, all that thing. Uh, yes, Mike Trout only stole one, one base, right? But also, why, why, why can't we say that he can potentially steal again? If you guys look at any projection systems, they all have him stealing double-digit bases. These are his stolen base totals, okay, since 2016. 30, 22, 24, 11, and then last year was one. You have to admit, like, come on, like, Given everything else that we're giving, all these benefits of the doubt we're giving to players, I think that he's going to steal. I think he's just remarkably consistent. He hasn't had a slugging percentage under 564 since he became a major league regular, which is just <laughs> insane. I think he's just a safe player on the board. And um, I, I will say this. It's gotten even tighter between Soto and Trout, uh, considering the recent additions that they've made to that lineup, which that is going to be a great lineup. Um, I, I know the pitching is a little suspect at the back end, but um, yeah, they're both great. I'd be happy with either, but uh, just to be contrarian and, and, and go for that stability, I think that Mike Trout is a, just an unbelievable pick. And would it shock us if he just decided to run more? It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. If, if he got 11 bases, he's going to be the number one player in fantasy again. Like I'll say that. Absolutely. Good point. And I think last year was just one of those, hey, don't get hurt type of situations. We need you in the lineup yep. as is. And yeah, that's a great point. Jenny, who do you got? This is your... This- oh. Are you going to make it a tie or make it a, a Juan Soto defi- um, defeat? You asked me to choose between my absolute two favorite players in baseball. So oh boy. this is tough. I'm going to go my trout, but like, give me either. Give me both. I'm all about it. Love them both. But I think like Yancey said, the, the team context, the lineup might be just a little bit better. And, you know, like Alan said, it's my trout. You just, you can't go wrong with that. But I can beat you, Yancey. In my first draft champions, I got Trout at 10. Wow. There is a lot of tryhard there with people. Yeah. I mean, come on. There's yeah, a, the last year's main event winner, overall winner is in this league, too. And he picked, right, he picked at eight. He took Bieber. Bieber. Wow. He's wow. a Bieber believer. Yep. All right. Maybe you'll actually get a Mike Trout share. Mike. Yeah. yeah. Like I've never owned Mike Trout, sadly. It's fun. You you should consider it. it I is would fun. I would definitely consider it. Yeah. So I mean, in my, some ways it's like I might in, in that case, I might actually choose to own Mike Trout if I if I had the choice just on a sort of a personal level, because like I've never gotten to own Mike Trout. But yeah. So that's not hard hitting analysis. Very quick story. My home league is a modified keeper league where we keep players off of our rosters, but then we auction them off. And whenever the drafts or the auctioning stops, you can keep the player for $1 more than the highest bidder. So I have kept, I've owned Mike Trout every year of his career in my home league, and I will pay whatever, whatever it takes. I just wait for the bidding to stop. And then I just pay a dollar more. 
And nice. everybody now knows that, of course. So a couple of years ago, I said, all right, my trout's up for biz. And somebody immediately says 62. I was like, motherfuckers. <laughs> so nobody else bid and I paid 63 and I'm pretty sure I won that year. So like, I, I will pay whatever it takes. He's, he's my favorite player. He's just safe. He, he doesn't give you, he just gives you a, a comfortability that like life is good. Like he's not going to lose your league when you pick Mike Trout. And I think that's the, the attraction to him. And yeah, he is falling. And I think that once we get close to two actual um, opening day and people start taking more and more pitches in the first round, even more than they're taking now, he might even fall even more. So I'm definitely all over that. Um, all right, round two. Jenny, we'll start off with you. Bryce Harper versus Manny Machado. Um, this one was a little bit easier for me. By the way, Yancey's dog is stealing the show. I can't. I can't. Do this. <laughs> it's, so, it's just too yeah. cute. I can't. So you're on mute, Jenny. Sorry. You got so excited you hit mute. I totally did. (laughs) Sorry about that. I am going to go with Bryce Harper and that one's not as close for me. I'm not, I've never really been a Machado person. I'm he's fine. I'm not going to take him where he's going this year, but you know, when you look across all five categories, I sort of see Harper being just a little bit better in all five categories. So I'll take that. And, you know, also at third base, there's, I like the, he's going before, Machado's going before, you know, Arenado, Rendon, Devers, and I'll take all three of those guys over him. So uh, I'm going to go with Harper. Got it. Yanti, what do you got? Um, it's, it's Harper for me too. Uh, Bryce Harper, for some reason, we have this idea that he is overpaid and he's the most overrated player in the league from a, pure fantasy standpoint he is just unbelievably consistent i don't know if he'll ever reach the the peak what was the the mvp season was that 2017 2018 was it 15 gosh we're getting old ellen um (laughs) six years ago jesus okay (laughs) um yeah he's he's just remarkably consistent um like last year like i Oh boy. But he is just he's one of the best players in the league. He plays all the time, he plays hurt, just incredible contributor. Nancy, what happened to you? Anthony's frozen. How about I talk about Bryce Harper yes, while we're waiting? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's Bryce Harper for me, and I'm very relieved that other people got to go before me uh, so that it didn't seem like a total homer pick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I get that Machado had a higher average and more homers than Harper this past year, but Harper still had a pretty good season given that we found out in late September that he'd been playing through a lower back injury for five weeks, i.e. most of the season. Um, So I think that Harper has a higher floor than Machado does, at least for a full season. And I think that Harper could also have a higher ceiling, honestly. So 2020 was Machado's best season by WRC plus, but Harper has three seasons. There's tons of runs and, you know, maybe nine to like him and Trout used to get compared to a lot, like who's the best player in the league, but he is just, he's one of the best players in the league. Manny Machado, like there's, there's, I I hate the fact that like he just decided, oh, I'm going to sell bases again or 
I'm sorry, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh. There you are. Yes, all, all of your all of your genius just came <laughs> uh, in a rush at us. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Brian Cyber for me too. Kelly, making it for 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 nothing. Uh, yeah. Um, I. Yeah, exactly. Whatever everyone else just said, uh, Bryce Harper is legit uh, a dude. And I mean, I, I, I liked what Manny Machado did this year. It was like really, really impressive. But his up and down uh, seasons kind of scare me a bit. Uh, so give me the consistency of of Bryce Harper. Give me those 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 hair flips every single day, please. <laughs> yeah absolutely oh. give me the hair flips and i just like i said with mike trout in the first round like i feel like by tarper is that in the second round he just gives you that comfortability he's um all around stud i think in my eyes and i've i've been a fan since he was hitting homers as a 15 year old off of the scoreboard and at tropicana field so i'm always been a uh a bryce harper stand for sure and i totally agree with um Picking him over Manny Machado um, right now. Um, Yancy, are you are you alive over there, or did your dog eat you? Uh, I am here. Can you okay, hear me? Okay, good. Okay, cool. Just wanted <laughs> yeah. to make sure. Apologies, okay. guys. I have no. Walmart internet, so. Uh, okay, so all right, so I wanted to ask, um, I wanted to ask you, ladies, and Yancy too. Um, <laughs> I'm about- here. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Marlin signing of their new general manager. Kim Heming and you know the impact that this made on the game and truly throughout the world I think it was just more like a a a big advancement for the whole world in general and I just wanted to know like tell me about the impact you you that this made for you and also how it can carry forward and you know how you can help guide women down the path toward a career in baseball so let's start with you Shelly yeah, when I when I saw the the tweet or whatever that Kim Ng uh, was going to be, you know, um, uh, you know, he, she signed with the Marlins as their GM. I I I actually cried. Um, it, it made me so happy because I know that she was kind of in on like a lot of uh, teams before, but other other men, unfortunately. Uh, you know, got hired before her, but just seeing just a team, quote unquote, take a chance on a woman, uh, just really made me happy. And it was just like, okay, things are changing here, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in sports in general, whatever. We finally have a woman that is a GM that is making moves here. And this, it just, it just made me just just so happy like i know that things the world is a kind of a poopy place but this that little bit that little signing just made me smile and cry and cry out of just just i'm so happy right Right. um so yeah it, it 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 really did mean a lot to me course it, it 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 was a big moment it was a defining moment and i think you know that echoed uh, like 
about how a lot of people felt about it. And um, so how would you, how would you, you know, give advice to maybe, you know, a young girl or um, trying to get involved with baseball and like, you know, guiding her toward a career and in, in, in something like you do, or, you know, like something like Kim is doing. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, um, just, just, you know, just, just go out there, just do it. Um, I, I, I have really, I've been honored and, and blessed to be just, you know, just accepted in this community and people have been giving me a voice or whatever. Um, but if, if baseball, um, is something that you love, which is again, something that I love as well, just go. And there are a lot of really, really, good guys, good people in this industry that will give you, give you a chance, give you a voice. Uh, just don't, don't be scared. Just go out there and do it. Awesome. I love it. That's the best way to do it. Just put your head down, get to work and get it done. Ellen, how, how did this moment impact you? Oh, well, I mean, it was one of the best days of 2020, which of course is not saying a lot, I guess. But <laughs> yes, it was definitely like, oh, good, like nice things can happen this year. And I mean, I felt two ways about it. You know, on the one hand, I was surprised, but very proud that Major League Baseball happened to be the first in sort of men's professional sports in North America to have a female general manager. I don't know that I would have necessarily guessed that, but it made me, I don't know, it made me really proud of baseball. I feel like there are actually a lot of kind of, uh, I guess social justice was the phrase that came to my mind, but that kind of thing, social justice, social equity things that I feel like Major League Baseball has taken great strides this year and I love to see it. And on the other hand, I was really jealous of the move for the Marlins, uh, not only because this, I'm a Phillies fan, because it was this history making moment, but also because like they got the smartest person. They got the most extremely overqualified person for the job. They cornered the market inefficiency of everybody else being dumb and not wanting to, I don't know, rock the boat by hiring a woman. Because if Kim Ng had been a man, she would have been a general manager long, long before, you know? She was like the first, she was the youngest person to present a salary arbitration case. And when she was assistant GM uh, for the Yankees in like the late nineties, she was the youngest in the majors at that time. So it's it was wonderful, but also sort of frustrating that it ended up taking this long. But I think that the end result of the story is a good one. Um, but I just think that the real proof will be in when we sort of get our second and, and third top level female baseball executives. Right. So, yeah, but Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was, it was a wonderful day. I've, right. None of that is to take away from the fact that it was a, it was a wonderful day and every subsequent day that Kimming is still the general manager of the Marlins continues to be a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you, how would you give advice to any young woman trying to get involved in baseball? Well, I'd, I mean, I think I'd give better advice about somebody who wanted to be an actor, to be honest, um, <laughs> <laughs> just because I, yeah, I sort of feel like an ancillary baseball personality. Uh, but I, yeah, so I don't have any more to 
say than what Shelley said, which is that, you know, given the fact that I consider myself a an ancillary baseball personality, but have felt very welcomed in the community in general is, I think, really proof that you should not be afraid and that there's that it, I, it's actually a very welcoming environment for female voices is my experience. Fantastic. Great answer. Um, Yanti, how did you feel about this wonderful moment of 2020? Um, I'll be honest with you. Whenever I first saw the blurb, I'm like, well, that's really interesting. And so I started looking into her credentials and what she had done. And I had much of the same feeling that Ellen was talking about, which was, well, I wasn't sure already hired. Right. They let Brody Van Wagen be the GM of the Mets. And he was like, by all accounts, just like a mediocre player's agent, right? Not to denigrate agents, but there was nothing in his skill set or his past experience that suggested that he should be in control of an entire team. Whereas he had somebody like him who was so unbelievably talented and knowledgeable and in, in breaking all these barriers. And she was never given a chance. And like, I, in, in all seriousness, like I think there's 29 other owners who have ego in their face because they let this person slip through the cracks for so long. Like she was being groomed and she was doing these interviews like almost a decade ago. And so it's like, how did this happen where you guys are letting somebody like this just fall through the cracks and you're never giving her like a legitimate chance at actually proving herself? Um, the Phillies interviewed her in 2015 and they picked stupid Matt Klentak. Like, oh, ah. no. <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just really, it's, it's, it, it uh, don't get me wrong. Like I, I vacillate between this on online where I see something good that happens. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm genuinely glad that this good thing happened. But then also like I try to reflect and it's like, you know, why is it 2021 and like we're, or 2020 and we're celebrating like something as simple as like a female who, you know, females account for half of the population. You guys can't see <laughs> listening to this podcast, but I'm gesturing vaguely at all of this. Why, why does it take so long? Why, why are we still at this point where it's like, Oh my God, guys, there's, there's, there's a female referee in the NFL. Like, can you believe it? Can you believe that we have a GM like managing a baseball team? It shouldn't be, it, it, it shouldn't be, you know, monumental and news breaking. Like by all accounts, women are more intelligent than men are. They live longer. They know what they're doing. Like, you know, like let's, let's call a spade a spade. I, so, so yeah, long story short, like I was, I was obviously incredibly enthusiastic and very happy that, that this did happen, but also just like 23, you know, teams passed on Mike Trout. Like you don't get to get, you don't, you don't get credit because like you're a team 23 that said, you know what, we are going to draft Mike Trout. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the team that took, who was it? Um, all of a sudden his name is blanking. I mean, who's the outfielder for the, uh, for the Blue Jays? Oh my God. I can't believe this. Uh, Springer? Nope. He, he is, he is Caucasian and he hits for power and strikes right, out a lot. Gritchick? Gritchick. Thank you so much, Shelly. I cannot believe I couldn't recall that. I just drafted him. Um, but yeah, like you don't necessarily get credit for it because you're the first one that did it whenever like you also were in that group that was bypassing her for half a decade. You know what I mean? So it's like as a whole, like let's all try to be better and, 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 that's kind of where my head's at with this. Like, yeah, like she obviously deserved it. Like, and I don't think that she should be scrutinized any, any, any more intensely and people have to prove, you know, she has to prove to everybody that she's capable of doing whatever, like Brody Vin back wagon and can be literally the GM of the Mets. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I want to see more of this. You know, I have four nieces and nephews and I have sisters and um, you know, the sky's the limit and it's about time that like people start giving them chances. Amen to that. Yancy, I just picked in three seconds and it's you, you're on the clock. So there you go. All How right, about well, that? Let me mute. And, uh, how do you like that yeah, all right <laughs> jenny tell me about um what you were feeling the day that kimming got hired 
There's probably not much more I'm going to say before besides what's already been said, because, right. you know, it was great. Although it's funny that Yancey just said what he said at the end, because my my first reaction was obviously joy. My second reaction was she's going to have to be careful, you know, like she's going to probably have to have like a really good transaction record. You know, mm -hmm. she's going to have to have good hires and good trades. And, you know, if she was the one who made the Chris Archer for Tyler Glassnow trade, she would, she'll be gone faster than anybody else. And, you know, I, it, maybe that's a pessimist in me. I don't know, but uh, I just was thinking like, Oh, I, I, I hope she does well. I, you know, cause unfortunately she's probably not going to have the leeway that some of her colleagues have. Yeah. But yeah, I, I hope, I, I think she'll do, I'm sure she'll do well. I'm rooting for her. Maybe I'll, I'll be a closet Marlins fan for a little while. Closet Marlin fan. Just Can I just out. say one more thing real quick, Rob, before we move on? Um, if you don't think like sexism exists, right? The difference between Kimong versus or Aang, I, I, I saw the tweet and I can't remember how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. Um, really disrespectful. Um, but the, the difference between like a, a man in this position versus a woman is with women, they're looking for uh, reasons why she can do the job, right? Can she do the job versus with men? It's just, oh, we're looking for reasons why he can't. Right. So there's that built in benefit of, of the doubt that women don't get. So like they're looking for reasons to exclude her from the position and they're actively looking for reasons why she can't do it. Whereas again, this is the third time I've mentioned Brody because I think he sucks so bad. They're looking for reasons why he can't. They're looking for carve outs and exceptions within a pre-existing framework to where he can fit what they're trying to do. Whereas with women, they're actively looking for ways to exclude them. And that that's the biggest difference. That's the, right. that's the, the framework that still has to be overcome. Well said. It's like you've been preparing to talk about this for a while. Oh, um, I'm heated. I'm yeah. heated. <laughs> it's all good. So listen, I know we're getting you know short, short on time. So I wanted to skip ahead to the segment where we had um, made up some questions to ask each other. Um, so let's get to that. Um, and the segment... We just basically like um, I had you guys prepare some questions to ask everybody. And it's basically just like, um, you know, open-ended question or would you rather or whatever you guys wrote up. Um, and so why don't we go ahead and do that? And who wants to go first here? Jenny wants to go first. Okay. Go ahead, Jenny. Um, what's your first question? Okay. So you're going to have to go on a little bit of a hypothetical ride with me, but. Oh, a hypothetical ride. Yes. So let's say your favorite team wins the World Series. And shortly afterwards, you and only you find out that they were cheating. And I'm not talking about like a little bit of something on the pitchers with the baseball thing. I'm talking about like Astros level cheating. And you had the choice whether to keep your mouth shut or air it to the world. What would you do? Wow. Wow. Who wants to answer this first? <laughs> Anybody? Um, I, I can go first. Okay. Assuming, assuming everybody can still hear me. I guess we was having some yes. audio issues earlier. Still hear um, I would say this. Uh, if you're going to tell me something like that, that's like, never tell me that you killed somebody because I'm the last person you're going to tell. <laughs> if I'm asked, I'm, it, it's not that I'm, I'm going to actively go out and try to tell everybody and snitch on you, but I'm also not going to lie and cover up for something that was obviously like just terrible. Uh, so whenever it comes to stuff like this, where it's a, a gigantic organization and there's hundreds of people that know that you're cheating, right? It's impossible to keep it under wraps. So if, if I'm given that information, yeah. If, if somebody asks me or they came to me and it was almost like a legal matter, I'm spilling the beans, bro. Because like, 
that stuff's going to get out regardless. And I don't want it to come back on me that I was lying. Uh, I have to look out for myself. Sports ultimately is a luxury. It's not essential. It's, it's inherently stupid. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to jeopardize who I am or my family or my livelihood or anything like that for something as simple as like the outcome of a game. But that's, that's a really narc answer, which I acknowledge, but yeah, that's my answer. No, but I think it's also like, it's a strong moral stand. Uh, and I think that I am going to say that if somebody, I'm very bad at lying. I'm very bad at lying. <laughs> so also if somebody point blank asked me, I think you have this information about whether or not the Phillies cheated in their most recent World Series victory. I would have to tell them the truth. But if it was just a matter of like, do I go to the media about it? I probably don't. I probably say if it's going to come out, it's going to come out some other way yeah 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 partly because i'm just yeah i don't i don't know uh in in if it were something else like i'm sort of taking the opposite tack from yancey on like it's sports and it doesn't really matter if like people's lives were in danger i'm not gonna keep a secret like that but i feel like because it is just sports yeah, I sort of I don't think that I I want to deal with the Twitter blowback for being mm. the the like weird civilian narc. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm a, it's not like I would it's cuz I cuz I, I don't in any way, you know, judge Mike Fires about it. But like he was part of the team that feels different than if like somehow I random Ellen Adair like happens to know this thing. I would probably just be like, I shouldn't even be the person to know this thing. So I'm just going to shut up about it until somebody else finds out. Interesting. <laughs> Shall I, I mean, I like I think okay. I'm like confronting how amoral of a decision that is. So I don't feel great about it. <laughs> At all. So to those to those listening at home, Ellen will lie about things that she deems does not matter. So just keep that in your back pocket. <laughs> I said I'd keep silent about things that I think don't matter, which is a little different. It is different. For, for the record, I wouldn't tell either. So okay, all right. I had the same thought really that that it was because it was sports. I it, I felt better about it. You know, it's not like I'm covering up for a murder or anything. So mm -hmm. yeah. If you, if you would have asked me six months ago if I would lie to cover up for the race, I would have said, hell yeah, where do I sign? What do I do? And then they traded Blake Snell, and now I'm just like, you know what? You guys are on your own. It's clear you guys don't care about me. Um, I am not going to lose sleep over you guys at all. That's interesting. This is an interesting question. Shelly, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I guess as a fan of the Red Sox, who they kind of got dinged for, quote-unquote, cheating during their 2018 season, uh, which was one of the best seasons that they've had, and it's, you know, been in major leagues. I don't, I, I don't know. Like, if I knew, I, I guess I, I, I would tell my husband um, and be like, oh, yeah, they're cheating right now. Like they're banging a trash can. <laughs> I mean, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yep, yep. There, there, there's a uh, changeup coming right now. Um, but I, I guess I would, I would say something, but I just don't know where my words would mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like. To be like... clear, I too would tell my husband. I'd probably tell my parents too. I'd be like, yeah. "Oh my god, I learned this thing." 
Yeah. Yeah. But that, that feels, I was thinking like going to the press about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything. I think I just grew up in Brooklyn and I watched too many mafia movies to, to say oh. anything. So I'll just go on that <laughs> note. Um, it's just he, get stitches, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ellen, you're up. What are you asking us? So it's a slight change of pace. Um, I decided to sort of change around the Desert Island Discs classic question. And you can only bring three current baseball players with you to a desert island. Who do you bring? Uh, (laughs) This is interesting. Uh, Rob, why don't you uh, kick us off? Okay. I I have to bring three baseball players with us, uh, with myself to an island desert island yes to a desert island okay um wow this is fascinating i'm gonna bring pete alonzo uh because i just think he's like a fun loving dude who um would just provide me with a bunch of like um frat house type comedy that i would totally need (laughs) on (laughs) on the island um i'm gonna take he would um, give you a lot of attaboys yeah, what is yeah. it, the thing that he's always that he's always yelling that's like so just like really lovable yeah it's, it's like attaboy it's it's yeah. something exactly like that yeah yeah a hundred yeah i just love his whole you know being he's just like a happy guy who's just happy to be alive and i just like that whole attitude so yeah i would take him with me um uh, let's see i would take trevor bauer with me too i think because he just would provide me a ton of entertainment um probably keep me in shape too while i was out there um Mm -hmm. and yeah i'm sure he'd come equipped with some cameras maybe too if that's allowed and we could probably uh (laughs) make a whole vlog of our life out there um and let's see for the third one um hmm, this is this is such an interesting question because let's see (laughs) like so absurd. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to think of like. Uh, see. Um. I don't know anyone so personal on a personal level, but um, maybe I would take. I'll. I'll. I'll keep it. I'll keep it met, and I'll take Noah Syndergaard because he just seems like a real good time, and I, I feel like Noah he could Syndergaard. probably chop down a tree if I needed to, and make some wood for fire. So yeah, I'll take Syndergaard, Alonzo, and Trevor Bauer with me. And that sounds like a, a really odd time, but <laughs> that's great. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, Shelley, let's go to you. Yeah, this is a really interesting question. Um, um, I guess I would, my first player that I would want to bring would be Tim Anderson. I think that he, I, I love Tim Anderson. Just everything about him. He is just all over the place, just so into everything. And he makes me smile whenever I see him. Um, especially like when he does hits a run, he does a bat flip. He doesn't really care about what you think. He just does whatever he feels like. I love it. Um, I guess the second player, oh, wow. The second white sock. Um, I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. Mm. Um, I found out that he likes to bake. Um, 
So I like to bake and yeah. I want to bake with Lucas Giolito. Um, so I don't know if there is an oven on this island, but it's very <laughs> hot. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe there's an oven. So I just, once I found out that he liked to bake, I'm just like, you are definitely my favorite pitcher for all time. Um, and then I guess I would go with Cal Seeger. Um, I, yes, I, I have a very soft spot for Kyle Seeger. I think he is very dependable. I think I, he's really chill. I just think that we would just really get along with the, on this Island. There would be just, we would just chill, talk about stuff. Kyle Seeger. Great. I, like it. I love it. Yeah. No, I, I, I deeply, I deeply love this choice. <laughs> Great question. Jenny, Jenny, how about you? Who would you bring with you to your desert island? I don't think I know enough about these guys' personal lives to know about them. So I mean, neither do I, but just. I'm going to go with Juan Soto, who I love, Mm -hmm. and Fernando Tatis, who just seems like so much fun. Oh, great choices. I just Mm -hmm. love him. He just, he seems like he would be having fun wherever he goes. And you need somebody who's not going to get too pessimistic about being stuck on an island. Fair. And then right, great, 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 great point, Jenny. And then I think I'm going to go with Trevor May as a random, random one because I've heard some interviews with him, and he just seems so friendly and so like willing to chat about baseball. And you know, I just he just seems like somebody who would be nice to talk to. So that's all I could think of off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Yeah, no, he seems like a really great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I mean, I think that your it sounds like your desert island is going to be like a party desert island. I was going to say, door. yeah, you're going to have the coquito going. Yeah, you're, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, you're going to be drinking out of coconuts. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a great time. Jenny's I'm winning. Totally so fine with that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. All right, Yancy, what about you? Uh, the the first easy obvious pick would be Corey Dickerson, aka C Dick. Um, every single time Corey Dickerson hits a home run, I get multiple tweets with just C Dick and a bunch of like al- alarm emojis or Rachel McAdams gifts and stuff. Um, I met him a few years ago uh, during not even spring training, but just a, a optional team workout. Uh, one of the nice benefits of, of, of rooting for a team that literally nobody gives a shit about is you can go to their open workouts and nobody's there. Uh, and like, I'm like walking on the field and like talking to all these players and taking photos and stuff. And I remember meeting Corey Dickerson for the first time and I was really shaking because like, this was my favorite player. And whenever they traded for him from Colorado, I was just, I was ecstatic. And he walked up, he literally had a pen. He pulled a Sharpie out of his pocket and he was expecting to sign something because that's all anybody wants is they want autographs. Right. And I literally said, I'm like, I don't want anything signed. I'm like, can I just like get a picture with you? And he gave me a picture. And then I, I, I was watching him sign up the people. I'm like, you sign with your right hand. He's like, yeah, I'm right-handed. I'm like, but you bat left-handed. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know why. I just think that is so freaking cool. Like you're, you're really cool. And I try to explain the whole CDIC phenomenon. I'm like, every time you do something, like I get tweets and stuff. And he just looked at me like I was insane. Um, but he was super <laughs> nice. Just like the, the most genuine, nice dude. Like you can tell, like, don't let social media get to this guy. He's too nice. It'll ruin him kind of thing. So CDIC's number one. Uh, my number two is Blake Snell. Uh, I've tweeted about this a lot. It tore my heart out whenever they traded him. Mm-hmm. I love Blake Snell. Um, you know, for a while I was following him, and um, my most famous prescient, you know, uh, prediction I had ever made was years before he won the Cy Young. I literally tweeted, "Blake Snell is going to win the Cy Young this decade," 
And this is at a time whenever he had like a one five whip, he was getting blasted in the mine or in the majors. He was getting, you know, relegated to and from the minors. It didn't look like it was going to work out that he would ever figure it out. And then, you know, two years later he did. Um, I jumped into a Twitch stream of his one day. He was playing like Fortnite or something. And I literally just commented something like, Hey, what's up, Blake? And he started talking about how many times he's seen my tweets and then, you know, how much he appreciated me supporting him. He's, he has slid into my DMS multiple times, just saying like, Hey man, like really appreciate you. You know, all, all these different things, not saying that I'm his best friend. I'm not saying this at all. And I know this is super corny and normally I would like barf all over people who talk like this, but to have a player of that caliber, like actually reach out to like an individual like me, who's just like a relative unknown and like a sea of, you know, Twitter avatars uh, was really, really special. Um, and then for the third one, this is, I don't think he's actually on the team right now, but I'm going to go ahead and mention him because he's like on the cusp of being on a team. Uh, you know how they say like Michael Jordan is like a terrible GM just because being the best basketball player does not mean that you have what it takes to be a good owner or being a, a really good player doesn't mean that's going to translate to being able to coach and get the most out of your players. Um, I want to take somebody that like was barely making rosters, but managed to hold on to a job who can play multiple positions and who is super gifable and has just this undeniable clubhouse presence and is super fun. And that person is young Gervis Solarte. I don't know if you guys oh, have yes. gifts. This is the type of person where like, regardless of what the event is, damn it. I want young Gervis there. The dude is so infectious. He's always smiling. He's always hustling. Like I said, he can play second. He can play first. He can play third. He can play short. He can play out. And you always see it in the highlights at the end of like, you know, he played for the Padres and, you know, he played all over the place, but like, this was just that dude is just like the salt of the earth, just like the purest personality, always smiling, always fun. And I think somebody like that would just be super interesting. And there's so much more you can glean from like a personal struggle of like barely making rosters and bouncing around teams and having to play multiple positions. Doesn't that sound so much more interesting than Michael Jordan just being like, you know, I, yeah, I was the best on the, on the court every single night that kind of gets old, but Hearing people that are, are closer to us than they are of like the all-time greats, I think that'd be really interesting. So, and Gervis Larte, number three. Nice. Very nice. Interesting list. Very yeah. interesting list. I love that. We got some crazy answers there. Um, For myself, I... Uh, yes, I, who are you taking? Yeah, well, it's a real debate because if anybody has listened to a single episode of Take Me Into the Ball Game, they know that I love Aaron Nola more than any other person that I don't know. Uh, and so Aaron Nola feels like the obvious choice. On the other hand, I love Aaron Nola so much that I'm like, I don't like, do I want to make Aaron Nola go to a desert Island with me? I'm not sure. Like that's how much I love him. So maybe Aaron Nola, if not Aaron Nola, then, then JT Realmuto. I mean, I think that there's a strong case to be made that an all current Phillies, uh, Aaron Nola, JT Realmuto, and Andrew McCutcheon trio would make for an excellent sort of like well-rounded desert island experience. Um, I also, I do have to say that in, in my limited in-person experience with Aaron Nola, he is the kindest, kindest human. And so he would be a good choice for that reason. Uh, but I think ultimately what I am going to do then is perhaps Aaron Nola because Aaron Nola. And then I think rather than uh, going for the party desert island, I'm going to go for the, like, what will be useful to maybe get us off of this desert island. And so I'm going to take Yandy Diaz in case there's an activity that requires exceptional strength. And nice. I think that perhaps Kyle Hendricks would be the best at figuring out how we could get off of the desert island. Wow. Very <laughs> so, good. I like that. That's a good <laughs> approach right there. A couple of different uh, ways of going about it. 
I love the Yandy Diaz. Uh, one time I got into a Twitter bet with uh, another Twitter follower of mine where if Yandy Diaz hit 40 home runs in a year, I would have to tattoo Yandy Eaton on my bicep. <laughs> um, kind of a double-edged sword. I'm glad it didn't happen, but it would have been cool if it did. Uh, but I'm just glad I dodged that bullet because uh, I'm, there's very few things I think my wife would leave me over, but that's probably one of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing um, question. Alan and I, I don't, I don't know how we just got into that, but that was that was amazing. I think we we got think, into it because you were like, come yeah. up with baseball related would you rather's. That's how we got into it. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I I did it to myself. Shelly, what what do you what did your question for us? What do you prepare? Yeah, my, my question is definitely not as good as all the other ones, <laughs> um, but. Would you rather, for your baseball team, would you rather have a great offense and an awful defense? Or would you have a terrific defense and a horrible offense? I can go ahead and take this. Yes, please. I would rather, I, I would rather have a terrific defense and a lackluster offense than the reverse. I know yes. I'm, I'm perhaps alone on a desert island once again, but that's how I feel very strongly. <laughs> I'm going offense, and I, I feel like um, people would come to the field and would I like the booze when like you know balls go off of someone's legs and the chairs for home runs. So I'm going that route. Mm. And I think I'm going to have to go with the offense too, coming purely from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, I don't really care about defense that much because oh. it doesn't help my fantasy teams. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love seeing like Kevin Kiermaier, like go up against the wall and like get one. I love seeing that. I, I love seeing just amazing shortstops and diving plays and all that stuff. But like, I mean, you can only see that for so much. Eventually, like I want to see some runs. I want to see some, some homers. I want to see some stolen bases. So, I mean, offense easily. Let me just suggest that if you had been a Phillies fan in 2018 when they had the worst record of defensive run saved since the creation of defensive run saved like you just you might you might feel differently about it that's true <laughs> but yeah. i mean since, also i am <laughs> i'm the president of the uh ladies love smartly executed defensive plays lobby so i have a strong point of view on this just then yeah, and Nancy took the fantasy baseball approach anyway, so he didn't. He he's not seeing he's not seeing eye to eye with us here. Well, Get I it. also breathe exclusively through my mouth. And <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, what are you picking? Go with offense too. Although, does does defense count pitching? If it was great pitching or great offense, I probably would have picked great pitching. But if it's just on the field defense, I do kind of like you know. The, the fun of having crazy stuff happen on the field. So why not? And let's, let's make it more entertaining and let's go with offense. I like it. I like it. So we got, uh, um, Shelly, what, I mean, it's, it's your question, but what would you choose? Oh yeah. Um, I'm with Ellen here. I'm definitely, uh, going to go defense, um, over offense. So if Ellen is the president uh, can I be the secretary of defense? Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I've seen JB, I, I, I've seen oh, JBJ and 
and, and Dustin Pedroia throughout my Red Sox fandom. And I, I love to see it. And I've also seen Hanley Ramirez in left field. And I do not like that. Mm-mm. So yes, give me defense over offense. How about that? Stephen drew. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love Stephen drew. So yes, much. yes. Drew, we, we're having some interesting name pop up in this podcast. <laughs> this is, this is amazing. He's like a, a vault back into some, you know, random baseball names. I like it. Um, well, all right, guys. I have a question now. Um, my question is, who is one player you do not want to see in a dark alley? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take this one first. Uh, he's not an active player. He didn't specify that. So I will take whatever liberties I want. Uh, the answer is Kyle Farnsworth. He's crazy. Uh, he's, known, he's known to be prone to violence. Um, he's a pitcher, so he's inherently strong with at least one arm. Uh, it's Kyle Farnsworth for me. Don't, don't come at me. What about you, Jenny? I'm going to go with Yasiel Puig. He took on, <laughs> he took on the entire Pittsburgh organization. So I don't want any part of that. I like that. That's a good one. He did. Took on the whole thing. <laughs> Ellen, who's your choice here? That personally made me love Puig, but uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, the two names that occur to me, but can I, can I say two? There are two, two. Yes. I would not like to see either uh, uh, Araldus Chapman or Roberto Osuna, who, who both, you know, be mm. their yes. partners. Yes. And there are others, but those, the, the circumstances surrounding those particular events seem to me like particularly horrifically violent got it that's great answer shelly um um i would say max scherzer on whenever he's pitching (laughs) i just whenever he's pitching like that day i just don't want to be around mad max because those he he scares me i love to see him on the mound but i would not want to be around that dude i think it would be very intense i think i'd actually like to be in a dark alley with max scherzer if i may (laughs) Well, yes. Bye, bye, we <laughs> I, was, I had another question that was going to be like sort of something like that. Like it was a scandalous rumor going around about you and a player and who is that player. Uh, mm-hmm. But I went with the dark alley one because mm-hmm. I thought I thought it elicited some some great, great thoughts. Do, do we have time for another go around? It's pretty late. I don't want to keep you guys any any further than than you need to. I just had one quick question, which was, uh, have you guys ever peed in a pool? Yes. Oh, as a child, yes. 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 As a child, yes. As a child I, and multiple times as an adult. Yeah. Not <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, great. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, the world is really divided between people who have at one point in their life peed in a pool and people who lie about the fact that they have not peed in a pool. Correct. I experienced a trauma as a kid. Um, we were at a public pool and they told us that, hey, we have that purple dye that, you know, we'll know if you peed. And some kid did it and everybody like shamed him mercilessly and like everybody like vacated the pool. And I just remember thinking that like, I don't want to be that guy ever, ever in my life. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to be in the pool. So I, I have in the past, but not recently, proudly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. 
um, yeah. So come to the pole hitter podcast for this is the content. Yeah, it, I apparently this is this is what everyone needs in their life right now. I feel like a little break from from baseball, and we'll talk about peeing in pools. It's just it's wonderful. Who we want to see in dark alleys? Who we're taking to desert islands? Just just awesome. It's great, but I uh, I asked for it anyway. So this is this is my doing. <laughs> but again, thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for coming out. I don't want to take any more of your time, even though we had a ton of stuff left to talk about. We could do it another time for sure. Um, but again, I just want to give you guys a chance to let everyone know where to find you and what you're doing. And again, sincerely, thank you for coming out and um, taking some time out of your life to spend with me. So, so go ahead, Joey, you can just uh, close it out for us. Start it up. Uh, yeah, again, uh, thanks, uh, Rob, for having um, all of us on. This was this was really great. Uh, you can check me out um, on Twitter at Shelly V underscore 643. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, but also, um, I, um, I write for the Dynasty Guru. Um, I, I podcast over there. And we're also doing going through uh, positional ranks. Uh, for Dynasty Leagues, we're currently on our outfield ranks and we'll be, be moving on to starting pitching. Um, so if you're in Dynasty Leagues, go ahead and check that out. Um, I have um, my top 50 Red Sox prospects coming out over at Pitcher List. Um, I'll be doing some podcasts over there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. But really just hit me up on, on Twitter. I'm usually more active over there. Awesome. Get Ellen. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Ellen underscore Adair and uh, on Instagram, you can find Ellen draws baseball, please do. And uh, you can also find me on my podcast. Take me into the ball game. Awesome. Going to keep it brief for once. <laughs> Yancy, where are you these days? Uh uh, you can find me on Twitter, but why would you? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Jenny Butler eight <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm not really here to promote anything. Like I mentioned on the, at the top, uh, my wife and I are real estate agents, and if you guys are looking to buy or sell a home and you need an agent, regardless if it's in Florida or not, I can help you out. If you guys just reach out to me, my Twitter DMs are open. Uh, it's a great way to help uh, the two of us out. And also you get an agent that knows what they're doing. Um, other than that, Rob, thank you so much. I mentioned at the top of the show, like you've really been killing it. I've been super impressed uh, just as a fan listening to the podcast and seeing how much you've grown and the guests that you've got on. Um, this podcast aside, it, uh, every other podcast has been super helpful to people's fantasy teams. Um, and I really appreciate <laughs> listening to it. Honestly, you're, you're on auto download, which is a rare uh, thing that I, a rare distinction that I put on podcasts, but um, it's been really, really remarkable just seeing how much this podcast has grown and how far you've come. So thank you for having me on. Thank you, Auntie. Appreciate it. Always have kind words. And I asked you one question for you before I get you off the air. I know you, you once you once mentioned that you can read and listen to podcasts or music at the same time. Um, Correct. Yes. And that's that's valid. That is valid. Um, I grew up as a drummer, uh, so I have complete independence in all of my appendages so I can play I can play a full drum set at the same time and listen to music and chew, you know, baseball gum or whatever. And uh, I can listen to podcasts and listen to music and write stuff and, and talk to my wife at the same time. Like I've always been really uh, 
multitask efficient like that. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm good at any one of those things individually, but yeah, that's something I can do. And that's how I, I power through listening, you know, eight or nine hours of music a day and, and also jamming all these podcasts. So it's, it's something I do do. I don't think it's healthy. I actually think it's like a very toxic form of escapism um, that I probably need to confront uh, before, you know, I turn 40. Um, but right now it's just getting me through the day. So yes, that is true. <laughs> Okay, great. It gave me more than I needed there. Awesome. Jenny Butler, I think Yancy already uh, uh, yeah. gave you away. Yeah. Well, Yancy is the reason that I have any Twitter followers at all. I had like five and then he put my name out there and all of a sudden I had 600. It was insane. It all happened in like 24 hours. He's got, was, he's got some kind of power. No, but that's, yeah, that's my Twitter handle. And I'm, I'm, I don't write, I don't, you know, I, I'm on the occasional podcast and uh, otherwise I can be found in any number of BB12 draft rooms. So hopefully I can see some people there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Again, thank you for coming out. I really appreciate it. Um, it was, it was an awesome time and um, it was good getting to know everybody a little on a deeper level. So um, yeah. So with that being said, guys have a great night. I'll talk to you guys soon.